Today on TechNATO, we're talking with Corey Thune, the co-founder of GravWell, about their data analytics platform and all the fun they've been having with big data in this past year. That's all coming up on TechNATO, starting right now. Hello and welcome to TechNATO. I am your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined here by Don Bazette. Don, how are you doing? I am doing great. Excited about our uh, interview today. Yeah, and this this is an interview with someone that we've actually talked to, kind of talked to in the past uh, here on TechNATO. Um, last year, you went to the Wild West Hack and Fest out in Deadwood, South Dakota, and we brought back a lot of interviews. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm not just saying this. This one was my favorite from last year. Yeah, and I, I, I love I love it when we meet companies in the early stages, right? When they're when they're in beta or alpha, they're not public yet, and then they over the course of a year just get really successful and, and turn around a commercial product and, and actually go to market. And Gravel is an example of that. So we, we did get a chance to meet them when they were very young. Uh, and and today it's changed a lot. So having uh, having Corey come on the show with us and talk about everything that's new in the next year is really exciting. You'll definitely want to check out this interview. Yeah, and we've talked about the TechNATO bump before where, uh, <laughs> you know, we've interviewed someone and then, you know, two weeks later, we're looking at a news article about them being acquired, you know, getting another seed round of funding. So as a second interview, I mean... They should get double acquired. <laughs> yeah, this they're going to be, yeah, it's a billion dollar company next week, no doubt. But, uh, but let's go ahead and get to that interview and we'll talk with Corey and, and find out what they've been up to since the last time we spoke and what's new from GraphWell. That's coming up right after this break. I'm James Packer. I'm the general manager of Kirk ISS based in the Cayman Islands. I used IT Pro TV extensively in my last place. It grew very well, helped upskill the team. I had 110 engineers in the field and we had dozens of IT Pro accounts with the guys training. And last year alone, they passed over 40 certs by using the online training. I think I can safely say um, without IT Pro TV, I wouldn't be where I was today because I only got this job on the back of the qualifications I have. All right, welcome back to TechNATO. As promised, we have an interview now with Corey coming to us all the way from Idaho, right, Corey? Is that where you're at? That's right, beautiful, gorgeous Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I don't know how I figured Highly, that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so Corey, you're with Gravwell. Can you uh, just give us a little bit of background about uh, who Gravwell is? Yeah, Gravwell. So we're a, a new startup in the analytics space. Um, we're, we're coming in. Uh, this is uh, our just hit our first year anniversary actually from launching the company where we uh, got our initial seed funding through Gula Tech Adventures, Ron Gula, who founded Tenable. Of course, um, great great to work with, uh, fantastic portfolio. So we're excited to be in that, um, but uh, the tech has sort of been something that we've been developing for a while because really myself and my co-founder were practitioners. We were trying to use other analytics tools like Splunk and Elk and running into some problems that just weren't being addressed by the market. So uh, we're either idiots or geniuses and decided to uh, uh, tackle those problems and, and create something, you know, create the solutions that we ourselves needed. And well, yeah, so and that's, that seems like a, a story for a lot of companies is, you know, we, we used the competitor and we just couldn't get around some issues. And, and so it was just better to, to create our own and because you're, you're not, of course, the only ones that are dealing with those problems. So... Can you get a little bit more into detail about what were some of those things that you that you saw with the competitors and and how have you addressed that in, in your product? 
Yeah. So so in analytics, there's sort of two camps for how data is approached, right? You've got sort of the structure on right, um, uh, more structured approach to data analytics, which will be like your ELK or even a traditional relational database. I, I guess that would be terrible for this use case, but where you have to know something about the fields when you take them in. Um, and then that provides you certain things so that when they're coming in, you can do things like uh, we can use web logs as an example. You're taking web logs, you're, you're keeping track of how many 500 errors there are, you're doing some and interfacing those and logging them. And then there's sort of the other approach, which pretty much the only tool out there that takes it this way is, is Splunk and, and now Gravwell, where you're doing the structure on read, totally data agnostic uh, when it comes in. So you don't, you're not looking at the fields when it comes in and then when you issue the query, that's where the tool is figuring out, okay, what are the fields, do they match? Uh, how am I finding the thing that I need? Um, and those are usually a lot more time series oriented. So when we're coming at the problem, we needed something that would solve it in that totally unstructured way because, I, I, I mean, I don't know what your experience is, but especially when you're doing security in different organizations, the data types uh, can vary wildly, even from the same vendor. So being able to just take it in, you know, ingest first and ask questions later was pretty important. Actually, uh, do you guys read XKCD? There was a pretty yeah. funny uh, comic um, just last week that was along this line where somebody, yo, I put together an analytics platform and then uh, the anomalous input broke the whole thing. <laughs> um, because that's, that's the problem that you sort of run into with something like um, uh, some of the challenges for doing something like ELK is, is, yeah, if you run into some unexpected import or things get weird, then it can break your entire system instead of uh, if you're just taking it in first and then you're searching forward through it and, and digging through it afterwards, then it makes that a lot easier. And then there's trade-offs in how they approach that data from those two perspectives. And that one is uh, sort of really good that the weblog example that I gave where you're just sort of counting those. So if you ask uh, that other platform, you know, how many 500 errors do I have? That's, that pops up instantly. Uh, whereas something with like Splunk or Gravwell, um, there's shortcuts in ways that you can optimize this, but essentially you have to look at all the logs and count them over a period of time and then get your answer, which is not a great way to solve that specific question. But when you need to do uh, analytics uh, where you're looking over and you don't know what you know, need to know and you're doing those aggregations, then it's the only way to go because otherwise you're, you're in uh, sort of a world of hurt for performance and whatnot with the other perspective for how that goes. That makes sense. So, so do you uh, focus on specific vertical markets then, like the, the, the changes you've made and the things that, that make you stand out from, from Splunk and, and the others uh, in the space, uh, do those suit themselves to certain types of businesses more than others? Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, our background is in security. And so uh, especially when you're doing security with like uh, IoT or OT stuff, you kind of get need to get down into the binary protocol side of things. So um, one of the changes that we made was uh, making sure that we can natively handle that binary because converting it to text was, was one thing that was killing us um, that we were experiencing. So just being able to handle that is, is a clutch and making sure that we're making use of the resources. But Sort of the lie about data analytics is that, uh, I mean, analytics are analytics. If you're doing math and, and, and looking for anomalies and doing that kind of thing, then it doesn't matter if you're looking at financial data or login data or web log data. Like, you, you're still trying to come up with similar insights on how that goes. So, 
So, you know, I, I went through a bit of an exercise earlier this year with, with actually with, with our own site, IT Pro TV, where we get a, a lot of traffic on the site from various places. We get a lot of attack traffic because um, people do that. And <laughs> we, you know, we need reporting on that. And uh, in the past, I, I know when it, it's been like smaller systems, I've just dumped syslogs into a location. Syslog followed a fairly standard pattern. But when web, web logs, I'm finding where... Nginx and Apache and our web application firewall, they're all generating log files in slightly different formats. And mm -hmm. when I was dumping that, I've had to use other tools to kind of like translate that data to get it where it was all normal, all in the same kind of format. In a relational database, I could index things, which made it a little bit faster to go and, and query and, and go against it. But it is just a huge amount of data. So when you take in large amounts of unstructured data, how like from a technical standpoint, you don't have to give away the secret sauce or anything, but how do you handle that? How do you run a, a query on something that, uh, you know, the data has never been seen before and it's got to parse through potentially terabits of data? Yeah. Yep. That's a, that's a great question. And that, that is where the bulk of our sort of, I guess, secret sauce, as you say, is at. That's where most of our engineering has gone into is making that fast because we looked at other stuff like um, like Elastic or, or just running on Rahadoop or some of the other time series databases out there like InfluxDB. And we we're having troubles, um, oh, sorry. and we we're having troubles uh, getting them to do what, what we needed. So we had to create this custom uh, solution. So uh, everything that we did is from the ground up, uh, written in Go. Uh, for our purposes, so that's that's where our secret sauce is at. And there's sort of there's a reason why Google invented the Go language uh, because it does really well for concurrency stuff and sort of the paradigm of computing uh, today uh, and for the foreseeable future. You know, you need to be able to scale wide. You need to be able to break stuff up into small pieces and compute those in a tons of different places. And that's how that's basically how we approach the the data is we uh, will will split that up into shards and send that around to the different aspects of a cluster. And then when you run the search, it can do as much of that processing as it can right where the data is sitting natively. Um, so that as you're digging through it, you can, you get the insights that you're, that you're looking for because yeah, the, there's tremendous amounts of data that are being generated by everything. And that's only going up uh, as we're going forward. And, you know, when your dishwasher starts creating logs to go alongside your, you know, your web logs, then, uh, things get pretty crazy. Yeah, it's an interesting problem. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Elasticache. We actually uh, tried that one here. Uh, Elasticache or the Elk stack in general, right? So just uh, Elk, it does a good job of handling huge amounts of data and rendering it in a nice little web interface. But on the back end, I, I found it it was really it was really complex to get configured and get set up. That, that we needed mm -hmm. six different nodes, a couple of different clusters yeah. in place to be able to to properly handle all the information the way they wanted it to. What does a deployment of Gravwell look like? Is it is it similar to that? Uh, no, God, no, thank <laughs> because that was that is a huge thing. So I mean, Elk is free, right? It's it's free, but it's not because yeah, like you said, you, you got to dedicate resources, you got to do care and feeding of this thing, um, and that's the challenge. So that's one of the one of the benefits to our approach with that ingest first, ask questions later, is deployment is super rapid, um, and we've got Docker images, we've got some other uh, community created scripts for helping to make that more efficient, but you can get up and running with a, a, a Gravel cluster in, in five minutes. Uh, and we have a, a, you know, a blog post that uh, helps walk people through that. But, uh, but that is a really nice part about, uh, again, Go is a nice language that way and that it's just a single static binary. So putting that in a Docker container or in an AWS image or whatever is super, super fast. I'm getting that up and running. 
You know, one of the other things that I bumped into uh, at the time, and this was probably six months ago, so, you know, I, the industry's changing very fast, but it was just the sheer amount of logs that we were generating. And, and where I was concerned was when I really care about my logs is usually when I'm under attack. And, and when we're yep. under attack, we're getting a lot of logs. And so some mm-hmm. of the other vendors we were looking at uh, build per log message. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that was really interesting yeah. to me because it, it discouraged you from logging, but that was kind of the whole purpose of yeah. having the solution, right? Yeah, that, uh, that is honestly something that I, I'll, I'll rant about for, for hours on end is that exact, that exact problem. Yeah. So when you need the tool the most and you're generating more information, when you have to pay for every drip of information that you're putting in the system, it's a, it, it's a self-defeating cycle where you, you can't even use the tool for what you wanted it to do. And that's something that uh, a lot of uh, our customers are really interested in because we solve that problem with an all-you-can-ingest model. So for us, we, we bill more like uh, VMware, right? Uh, where you, you have how many nodes are in your cluster. That's sort of how we scale with a larger organization. But however much data you want to ingest, we don't care. We, we say go nuts. Uh, it's your data. It's your license. You already paid for the license. You paid for the infrastructure. You paid for your hardware or whatever you've got. So, yeah, that's our opinion. It's just use it because that uh, that pricing model is just nonsense. And um, it's been interesting. I mean, I'm I have an engineering background. I've done security research, uh, vulnerability analysis. I write code. Um, but this aspect of the company, this this sort of uh, accidentally solving this major pain point in the industry uh, uh, from a business perspective is what's really appealing to a lot of customers. And I wish it was the technology. I wish the technology took the forefront just because that's that's what I think is the coolest thing. But uh, hey, I'll take it. If, if we can help you with the with the billing thing and that's how we get it, you know, uh, start the conversation, then awesome. Uh, I would love to help uh, free people from their uh, the chains that they that they get stuck in because of because of those uh, those licensing fees, like you said. All right, now let's talk a little bit about some of the the stuff that Gravel can do. Uh, I mentioned that uh, I had interviewed you, or, or you, you and, and someone other, or two people actually uh, that I interviewed back at Wild mm-hmm. West Hack and Fest, and we talked a bit about uh, the information you had gathered from when the FCC was doing public comment on net neutrality. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was in the news. Most people saw where apparently a huge amount of the submissions uh, for comment were either automated or canned, bot responses, cloned responses, that kind of thing. You guys fed all that into Gravwell, and at the time, you're still a very young company. Uh, and I, I can't recall if you even had a commercial offering back then. Uh, it, was, it was a little more on a one to one basis or something. Yeah, uh, we were in beta stage at that point. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so. What's happened since then? Any any big projects, or has that FCC stuff evolved anymore? What what are some of the other cool things that have been kind of going on in the background? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, the, the FCC stuff has been back in the news. I actually saw um, an article this week about another separate. Uh, it was a university, I believe. Sorry, I wish I had that. Yeah, it was Stanford. But, uh, uh, yeah, 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 actually, Stanford, yeah, I've got that here. They found ninety nine point seven percent of non duplicated comments were actually against repeal. And it, it turned out, you know, most of the comments were obviously coming from bots and, and things using journalists, lawmakers, uh, dead people <laughs> as, yeah. as the names and things. Yeah. So does that kind of line up with uh, with the findings you had? 
Yeah, I was glad to see that article because it, it absolutely did, Peter. The um, the findings that we saw were were very similar uh, in that the when you know when you separate out the just the unique comments, uh, split out what we attempted were bots. Then that was exactly what we found. But what's interesting that I um, for us, we didn't feel like just because a comment wasn't unique, that didn't mean that it didn't have weight, if that makes sense. Because like even uh, on both sides, you had John Oliver and then you had um, other people on the other side uh, issuing like pretty canned statements. You know, I believe in net neutrality or I don't believe. And then so those would go in and multiple people would submit those. So just because it wasn't unique doesn't mean that it's not valid. Mm -hmm. So we tried to come up with a couple other interesting things to try and uh, do that analysis, but it is uh, it is really nice to see that type of research corroborated. Um, but one of the things that we've put in since uh, that beta time is we've really expanded our machine learning capabilities, uh, which I, that's a super buzzword right now, but I'm actually not a huge machine learning advocate, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So one of the things that we're currently um, conducting some research on is the effects of uh, propaganda on social media. Um, so we saw the, if you recall, the Twitter um, internet research agency, I think is what it's called, but the Russian propaganda IRA, that they had that massive ban of, of Twitter accounts. And then uh, there are some research firms who pulled those, those tweets down and, and put it up for uh, use for things like machine learning. And so one of the questions was that we were trying to answer was how can we use maybe this information to see if we can analyze Reddit and see if the same type of thing is happening, you know, on Reddit or other different social media platforms. And so we took all those tweets, ingested them, trained a machine learning model to do some uh, classification on comments to determine whether they were similar to or not similar to what these Twitter, these sort of proven Twitter uh, accounts were doing. And so we grabbed that information, fed it in, and then we're, we've also been ingesting every Reddit account or every Reddit comment for the last couple of years uh, and are able to search and perform analytics on that. And so we fed that through the pipeline, did the machine learning on there and saw what could come out of that, see if we could identify similar you know, uh, accounts causing issues. Um, but sort of the problem, uh, are you guys uh, coders, have you played with code? Like, the reason that security is a thing is because computers do exactly what your code tells them to do. And so if, you, you know, if you're not handling your memory or whatever, the computer doesn't fix it for you, it does exactly what you say. And that's why we have buffer overflows and that's why we have security vulnerabilities and things. Well, machine learning really doesn't um, get away from that in that uh, it's garbage in, garbage out still. So the machine only does what you taught it to do. So when we take the Twitter data set and teach this uh, ML to classify these comments to be whether they match this or not, they get all the other sort of subcontexts and other aspects to that content in their brains as they learn. So like one of the key differences between Reddit and Twitter is the character count limit, right? And on Reddit, you can post as much as you want. Uh, but Twitter is limited. And so when you train it using Twitter data, what we found when we took and applied that uh, to Reddit is it pulled out a lot of the similar size if, of comments and a lot of um, uh, a lot of like the autom automatic Reddit bots that were posting election results and stuff like that floated to the top, which sort of is what you would expect because they're talking about a lot of the same things, but it is not 
it's a, it's a different. I mean, there there are Reddit bots who are doing that on purpose, who are doing their job, right? They're not uh, people coming in and trying to also talk about some of these things. Um, and that was sort of a deficiency with the training data set where it doesn't exactly allow you a lot of translation between social media mechanisms, which was uh, sort of uh, uh, expected but unexpected in terms of what results came out of there. So we're still playing around in this space and trying to see if we can do correct training uh, using, um, we also trained on a couple of the other common data sets that people do when they talk about ML, like the um, IMDB uh, sentiment analysis on uh, using all the IMDB results to say whether they like or hate a movie and then training sentiment analysis based off of that has been kind of fun. But then you also have some issues. The FCC was a really good example of this because true to government uh, methodology, I suppose, voting yes or no is not as is not a simple like, oh, I agree with this or not, because the laws can be worded as such like I do not think or, or we will avoid putting this right. So then your your vote yes is actually a vote no for what you want. And so sentiment analysis can get a little bit tricky there because that was the net neutrality because it was in favor of, if you voted yes, then you were in favor of repealing uh, the net neutrality laws. So you were anti-net neutrality uh, <laughs> if you voted yes. Nothing like Which keeping is, it good uh, and confusing, right? That's the exact part. And, you know, I guess if we want to correlate this to humans, we, we learn from a teacher, right? The machine learns from a teacher. The difference is we can then take that data and evolve it and go beyond the lessons we've learned. The machine really can't do that, right? It doesn't move beyond what you've actually taught it. Oh, are we going to go on the big hate fest now of machine learning? Does that start? <laughs> start here? Well, I wanted to ask you for. Uh, uh, we're talking with Corey Grav, uh, Corey from Gravwell, uh, one of the co-founders there, and uh, I, w- I wanted to to go back on the Reddit thing a little bit. Are we are we t- uh, looking at specific subreddits, or are you looking just at at Reddit as a whole? Yeah, uh, specific subreddits gets interesting, right? Because you have politically leaning subreddits that are more left or more right. Um, and so you subclassify based off of that and doing, you know, smaller experiments. But but uh, Reddit as a whole is, is something that we're certainly interested in, in digging through. And we, we have all the as many comments as the API will give us anyway, whether that's all of them or not is a question for them. But, yeah, so the entire thing is is up for analysis. Well, I know one of my one of my favorite subreddits is called Data is Beautiful. And it, you know, they collect, uh, you meet a lot of data analysts there with big data, and they, they find all sorts of really cool things, which you can do when you can handle large sets of information. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about Gravel the product again, because I know when, when I interviewed you last, it was still in beta. It wasn't something that I could come back to the office and try, but you guys just launched a community edition a month ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how people could actually try this with their own data? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we we have the community edition available now. That's free. Um, we there is a data cap limit on it. It's the only time that Gravel ever builds or limits based on data caps because uh, you know we got to keep the lights on. I got to feed my kids. But um, the community edition is free for home use at uh, two gigs a day. If you don't want to talk to us at all, if you participate in some customer feedback and do a short interview, then we'll double that up to four gigs a day. Uh, for just um, as a thank you for helping us out, because as a startup, that's uh, crucial to whether we're going to make it or not, is uh, making sure that we're listening to what the people need, right, and, and getting good feedback and going off of that. Uh, but we built the community edition to really enable people to do that kind of, you know, data is beautiful stuff and uh, come up with really cool insights and build interesting tools 
that enable people to uh, look through stuff. Because, you know, like I said, a lot of our engineering has gone into the platform, so we can we can handle things at scale, which is sort of irrelevant to the community edition. But uh, it's really powerful in terms of the pivots and the ags you can do when you're doing those types of data analytics. Um, uh, and an aspect that we're trying to make sure that we have community feedback on is which use cases need sort of polish first. Because one of the downsides of being a, a startup is that we don't have you know the the vast the huge community and the large uh, amount of resources at our disposal to say yeah we're gonna make this really nice turnkey solution for these ten uh, use cases and say we have to prioritize and and you know we start with one or two and go from there uh, so that's why yeah having community edition and, and feedback is is really crucial but if you want to download the community edition and dig through stuff and then never talk to us that's uh, that's obviously totally cool as well. Now, if somebody wants to experiment with that, so let, let's say I just want to fire up GraphQL in my environment and, and throw a little bit of data in there just to kind of fool around with it. What what would be the minimum number of resources I would need for that? Is that what I need to deploy in a cloud environment with some multiple instances, or could I actually just run that as a container on my own system? Yeah, yeah, just run it. Uh, you can Docker install GraphQL, uh, GraphQL latest, and and you're up and run uh, right there. So. Um, or, or use our Debian repo to apt install, and you're off to the races. And, and it really doesn't take uh, resources for for those types of data rates where you're you know you're doing four gigs a day. Uh, you can run that on real modest you know desktop hardware without a, or a laptop without any issues. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a big difference from something like Elk, where even small, you've got to set up quite a bit of infrastructure to get it going. It, it can be a little bit frustrating. Now, um, can you tell us a little bit about if if we're ready to launch this as a commercial product, right? So, uh, and, and I'm being a little bit self-serving here because I'm, I'm thinking about IT Pro TV. Is, <laughs> In this so, analogy, we want yeah, to. Assuming yeah. there was some yeah. company that wanted to do that, uh, what is that? We have to engage with you individually or it's just a simple license? What, what does the licensing look like on that? Yeah, the, the licensing is, um, I mean, as a startup, one of the things that we're also trying to combat in the industry, until we get so big that we're guilty of this ourselves, is we're trying to take care of people who, who, who are using our software to to do these kinds of analytics to get the things that they want. So everybody who has a license and even community editions uh, people for now uh, get uh, a gravwell guide that is somebody somebody on our team. And these are not just like customer supports that we that we offshore. Or anything like that. These are actual team members and engineers, the developers, the the uh, user interface people to help uh, customers uh, use the tool and make sure that they're being successful with what they're looking for. So that's number one: is we are here to help. Um, and then number two is yeah, you you just get a license and, and slap that in there, and then uh, that activates the additional data caps, and then you're up and running. Um, setting up uh, like one node. Uh, Depending on um, you know what your how much data you're looking for, what your retention requirements are, and things, then the deployments can look a little bit different, right? Because if you guys are mostly interested in, hey, we just want the data there, we're probably not going to look at it very often. But if we have an incident or something, then yeah, we'd like, you know, we'd like to have this there. Then you then you're fine with one node with a bucket load of storage on there, because we again we don't price based on storage, so you just get your node, and then if you have an incident. Uh, uh, then you can dig through that. But somebody who's like actively querying, yeah, I want to be up on my KPIs for my business, or I want to make one, you know, I'm doing active threat hunting, uh, then you start to get into clustering and, and having larger clusters because you want more compute power to be digging through uh, that information so you get those insights rapidly and constantly. 
All right, now for our viewers, if they if they want to learn more or download the community edition, they can check it out on your website. It's gravwell.io, G-R-A-V-W-E-L-L.io. Uh, but for somebody who wants to get started, somebody who's never seen the product before, how do you recommend they get in there and, and get started with it? Yeah, we, we have a quick start guide on the on our documents page for the community edition. Uh, but when you sign up, uh, it will, again, it will give you that Gravel guide. And I tell you what, just fire up an email. Um, hit us, hit us, and then we'll, we'll answer back or, or answer support. But the blog is a really great resource because we have uh, some, like, walkthrough guides. Like, uh, we have a collect D guide that sets you up with how you monitor your infrastructure for your uh, system and see your CPU usage, memory, disk, all that stuff. So if you're just like, you know, what's the health of my other thing that I'm trying to watch, um, then that's a that's a great use case. So yeah, the the documentation, quick start, the blog, and then seriously, email us. <laughs> and I, I, we're we're here to help. <laughs> I, I'm looking at your site now too, and and what is the uh, what's the difference between uh, the community edition and then the download trial. So with the trial, that's the enterprise edition, and, and I've, I've got some more bells and whistles there. Yeah, the trial is, uh, so the community edition is limited by data, and the trial edition is limited by time. So that's a big difference. Uh, trial is mostly for, yeah, people who would be interested in in being enterprise customers or, or purchase um, customers for that side. Makes total sense. Well, we really want to thank you for um, letting us know, you know, where, where you guys have, have been this last year and, and all that's, uh, that's gone on. Um, anything new that uh, that maybe you can tell us about that we could expect uh, in, in the next year? Where where do you see this going? Oh, yeah, I hope there's lots of really cool stuff. We're um, yeah, we're still improving the performance on things. And that's uh, like we're real proud of where we're at. Uh, in fact, um, next month, we're at a supercomputing conference. If you're familiar with that, if anybody's in Dallas, uh, you know, stop by, say hi. But um, we're going to be in the NOC uh, doing the security operations for that. Um, thanks to some. So we've actually uh, we're rolling out a more of a hybridized approach at the very beginning of the show. We sort of talked about those two different approaches. And now Gravwell is uh, is becoming a hybrid approach there, so you can get sort of the best of both worlds. So doing those sort of needle in a haystack and and more awesome uh, stuff that you get from one approach, we're creating something that's that's really kicking butt in both of them. But the initial, yeah, so the initial steps were we wanted to optimize for the worst case scenario because whenever you're doing data analytics, if that's something that you've played with, uh, you you can often get into that situation where once the if the inputs are weird or the data is weird or you didn't know that you needed to ask this question or whatever, then we wanted to make sure that that was still awesome and fast and did everything that people needed. And now we're just making that we're just pouring the gravy on now. It's just uh, it's getting better. Fantastic. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us today, Corey. Don, Don any any final thoughts you ha you have there? No, I just I, I love the fact that you know we got to meet them early on in the yeah. the company's history, and and you've grown quite a bit. You've gone through uh, you know partnering up with the people over at Tenable and stuff. It, it's just it's a real pleasure to see a company like you grow. So congratulations on your success. Yeah, right, thanks, thanks, Don and Peter. I appreciate it. Yep. Hey, you guys are doing awesome. Thanks. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, watching this interview. But we'll be back with a little bit more Technado right after this. My name is Dana Morrison. I'm the IT director at Grace Christian School in Raleigh, North Carolina. IT directors often hoard so much knowledge that it's hard for their team members to learn. IT Pro TV has given us the ability to level up our technicians to a point where they can decide 
this is important for me to learn. I would recommend IT Pro TV uh, to any IT team. It's just a great tool uh, for any IT professional. All right. Thank you so much to Corey for joining us today. And thank you all of you for checking out that interview. And it, it like you said in the open, Don, it's, it's really cool to see where they've come in a year. Yeah. And, uh, and I was being truthful in the interview. I, I do need to sit down and see if I can't leverage this for our web logs because it has been a challenge for us and, and running against the data cap and paying per message stuff is a nightmare. A lot of you out there are probably experiencing the same thing. So I'll be checking that out and who knows, maybe we'll, uh, We'll do some training videos or something on it once we, <laughs> we figure out how to do it ourselves. That would be awesome. I know. I mean, I, I know Splunk's been on our course list for a while of, of something that people are requesting. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people that want to get more into that that big data stuff. So this would definitely be great to get them in here. Well, we wanted to let you know about a couple things that are coming up uh, very soon for us. We've got some webinars um, that are coming up this month, two more uh, here in October. Uh, first of all, we have Jumping Clouds, AWS to Azure, uh, the implications of switching cloud providers. That takes place on Thursday, October 25th um, at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time at 6 p.m. GMT for those of you uh, who, who like to use GMT. Uh, and that's, that's you, Don. That's uh, you and Wes, correct? Yep. Yeah, we uh, actually have two different webinars coming up. There's the uh, Jumping Clouds and there is the, uh, uh, oh shoot, what's the official title of the dark Exploring web one? Exploring the dark web. There we is go. Is your data on the market? Uh, <laughs> that one's coming up on Tuesday, October 30th. And so with the proximity to Halloween there, we're going to have a little bit of fun uh, fun with that one. It will be spooky and, uh, and you know, Don can't go in the dark web as Don, no. so he will be uh, in disguise as Ron Bazette uh, to to explore the dark web. And it, it's not just a fun one, but it'll actually show you how you can see if your data is out there or your company's data. So uh, definitely something interesting to check out. And uh, you can see all the webinars coming up over at itpro.tv slash webinars. Uh, not only see the ones that are coming up, but see the ones that have uh, already happened that you can still go back and watch the archive for. We've got a lot of great ones. Just did the top five pen testing tools uh, one last week. That one was really well received. Uh, a lot of cool tools that Daniel showed off. Um, but that's one of many, many webinars uh, that are listed on that site, itpro.tv slash webinars. So definitely check that out. Uh, also, if you're looking to check out a subscription to IT Pro TV, a great way to do that would be to go to go.itpro.tv slash technado. We've got a special offer code uh, for anyone that is a viewer here. And uh, we want you to check that out and get 30% off your subscription uh, for the lifetime of your account. You can also... Uh, uh, request a team demo and find out more about some of the cool things we offer for teams. That's over at go.itpro.tv slash technado. So check that out. Don, any final closing thoughts before we wrap this one up? No, we got a lot of great stuff coming up. Uh, more interviews coming down the pipe as well. We've had a good run of interviews these last couple of podcast episodes, so look forward to more of those. Uh, if you know somebody who'd be a good interviewee or whatever... Is that right? Interviewee? Yeah. I don't know, somebody who would be cool to interview yeah. on the podcast, please reach out to us via social media or any other mechanism. Uh, let us know. We'd love to hear from you and and love to do more interviews that are targeted towards our audience. Well, I'm actually going to go back and review the comments um, that we get on our webinars now because now I'm assuming they're all bots. Uh, so I'm going to run <laughs> these through GraphWell system and find out uh, if any of you are actually uh, real people are all trolls. Russian so, trolls, yeah, everyone. You and all that. So, <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today on TechNado. And uh, thanks for always joining us and sharing with your friends and letting everyone know about how much you love it. And we will see you next week right back here at TechNado. Mm -hmm.